I, I believe today that I am beginning the most important series that I, I have ever preached. Now, I, I have never made a comment like that about a series before. I've never thought of it that way. I mean, I guess for one hand, I think all my series are good. They're all important, right? But I have thought about this one like, and I didn't choose it. I was like, okay, this, I, you know what I need to do? I need to come up with a series that's the most important. No, as it, as it developed, it, it, it just kind of went that way for me. You know, on, on a positive note, I, I think one way I may, one reason I may be thinking that way is just because of where we all are. We're at the, we're at the start of a year. And, and normally at this place, we're kind of looking out there and we're thinking about some things we want to be different, some things we want to be better, added, deleted, whatever. And, and for a lot of us in here, we, we want God's blessing on that, right? We want his favor. We want his help. We want God to honor what we're trying to be, what we're trying to do in this year ahead. And, and this series is going to address a lot of that in the, in the home, in, in the government, in, in church. We're going to look at all these kinds of things. But, but on maybe a little bit of a heavier note, the, the reason I'm believing this is so important is this principle that is going to do these wonderful things in your life, folks, is, is something that I believe we as Americans hate. We, we hate this principle. Oh, I, I, I know I can't say you, you personally hate this. But folks, I think there is a mentality in America that hates this. And we are Americans. We, we are a part of why this has happened and what's going on. I, I think this is just an opinion. I'm not a sociologist. I think we've reached a tipping point in America. I think it happened somewhere in the last one to maybe three years where, where we just all of a sudden we began to tip. I, I think that what I'm talking about has been in place. It's been growing for as much as 40 or 50 years. But, but we tipped. And what I mean by tipped is what has been growing for 40 or 50 years has now kind of reached the place where it is our character. It, it's what we are as Americans. It's what we believe as Americans. Now, by now you're wondering, well, what is it you think we all hate? What, what is it you think is our character? Folks, I think we hate honor. We hate giving honor to someone or something else other than ourselves. Now, of course, that's a strong statement. And again, I can't look at you individually. You're, you're the one who, hey, you know what? Probably in most cases, that's not true across the board for most of us in this room. And guess what? It's probably not true across the board for folks out there. But you know what? It doesn't have to be true for every person, every institution that I hate them and I won't give honor to anyone or anything. No, folks, it actually only has to be true in one or two places. And I'm going to step out on a limb and say most of us have one or two places. I, I'm not, I'm not going to honor them. I'm not going to honor that. We're not, we're not going to do it. And then all of a sudden, when every American is pitching in one or two places, guess what? That's what we have in our culture. I, it, kind of another message, not really going to go there, but I, I, I think just to know where do I think this came from? I, I actually think this came from our freedom and I'm not against freedom. Okay, I don't see that as the way of solving the problem. I'm not sure we've always been good stewards, good managers of our freedom. 
And and we have allowed our freedom to grow to the place where I, I think this is what freedom is, America. Freedom is my right to make myself bigger and more important than you. That, that's what we're doing in America. That's my freedom. I can be bigger and I can be more important than you. You know, this past fall, last two or three months, uh, we, we, we had a situation kind of unfold, a couple of situations. It's just been a, a horrific situation between the African-American community and, and the police. You know, how, how do we end up in a, in a place like that and, and, and watching the things that we're, we're watching on TV. Folks, I would suggest to you that we arrive there because of a lack of honor. That, that would not happen if, if there was honor. And that's not a statement about a certain race. That's not a statement about a certain profession. It, it, it's our whole country that, that made that situation happen. You know what we hate in America? We hate authority. I mean, that, that's American right there. I don't want anybody over me telling me what to do. We don't like authority. That creates a situation like that. You know what else in America we don't honor? We don't honor life. Life is a commodity to be used for the advancement of me. And if it's, if it's, you know, if it's in the way, you know, we don't honor life. And, and that's what creates those kinds of scenarios. And when I hear people talking about the solutions... The, the solutions, because I think most of us will recognize that those aren't isolated incidences. That's part of a bigger environment, a, a bigger thing going on. When I hear about solutions, I don't, I don't see anybody addressing that with honor. I think our media handled that entire situation in an incredibly dishonorable way. I think they only made things worse. I, I think our, our government at, at a federal, at a state, at a local level handled that in a very dishonorable way. And they're not bringing any honor to the situation. Hey, whatever we're going to do, however we're going to solve this, how do we start teaching not a race, not a profession, Americans to honor authority, to honor life, to honor peace, to honor truth. We don't honor truth in America Truth is a, is a toy we use to what? To advance us. To honor these things, folks, that God says to honor. I mean, folks, you want, you want evidence of what I'm talking about? Look at the anger. Look at the violence. Look at the injustice. Look at the incredible feeling of there being no answers to our problems. Every bit of that is a situation where we're not honoring the right things and then we're wondering how to fix it. We're to honor. What, what we honor in America is me. I honor what advances me. I honor what advances my agenda, my feelings, my way of looking at things. And I will, I will sacrifice truth. I will push out of the way authority. Anything that gets in the way of advancing me, I push that out of the way. And folks, you know what? We're not advancing ourselves. We're not, we're not, I'm not advancing me as an individual. We're not advancing our community, our culture. We're destroying ourselves because that's what, that's what happens. Hey, what if, what if I were to tell you that the best way to advance you is for you to advance God and to advance others? Don't do anything that pushes forward your agenda. Only do things that push forward God and other people's agenda. Now, when you step on that road, let me tell you something, you're going to get taken advantage of. You're you're not going to go long down that road before you get smacked and say, hey, this isn't working. This isn't advancing me. 
Folks, the road will advance you. Regardless of an incident that happens along the way on the road, the road advances you. But when you and I get off that road, which is so easy and so natural to do and say, I'm not going to honor that. I'm not going to give honor to them. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. We're destroying ourselves. What we need in our lives, we, we, we need to see if today the church can get that tipping point back. I'm not sure we can correct America. Can we just tip it back a little bit? Folks, God's people are a people that give honor. God's people are a people that honor. And so today we're going to introduce the concept of the honor principle. And it's not hard. One message, it'll do it. But but we're not going to do it for one message. We're going to do it for the next two months. Because not only are we going to look at honoring God, but we're going to look at the things that God tells us to honor. Because I can't say I'm honoring God if I'm not honoring the things God tells me to honor. We're going to look at what God says about honoring marriage, about honoring parents, about honoring children, about honoring the church. Man, I, I bet in the resolutions list and the, boy, the things I need to do to make my life better, we, we don't probably think much about a relationship with the church. And yet when you look at, at how God builds that and what that's to be in our lives, folks, you can't build a better life without building a better relationship, a better engagement with your church. What does it mean that we honor the church now, oh, I imagine a lot of us in here say, okay, I've got the family thing down and I got the church thing and I can do that. Okay, well, let me crank it up for you then and make it, see if we can make it harder. What about honoring work? <laughs> yeah, that gets fun, doesn't it? Okay, if, if I haven't lost anybody, let me, here's where I can lose the rest of you. How about honoring the government? Yeah, we're, we're, we're to do that. And so we're going to look at these things that God tells us to honor, what that means, what that looks like in our life. And folks, here's the hard part, okay? If, if I throw out 8, 9, 10, 12 things, the goal is not to hit most of them. It, guess what? It might work in a lot of places to say, hey man, I'm 10 for 12. But you know what? If there's a place in your life where you're not honoring God, guess what? You're not honoring God. So let's see what this honoring thing is all about. Would you look with me this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, and I'm going to read one verse, verse 30. Now, 1 Samuel is not the hardest book in the Bible to find, but it's probably not the easiest either. Okay, you got to travel about five books into the Old Testament, and then you're going to hit Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then 1 Samuel. I I give those books like that because isn't this how a lot of times we find where we're going in the Bible? Okay, so when you're traveling through the neighborhood and you see Joshua, start to slow down. Joshua judges Ruth, then 1 Samuel, that's where you are. If obviously you get to 2 Samuel, go back the other way, you pass the house. 1 Samuel chapter 2, and let's look at verse 30. It says, therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised... I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now declares the Lord, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
Now, what's happening here? If, if you'd imagine kind of God and Eli, that, that's who's being addressed. Eli is a priest. He's a priest in the house of God. When it says, you know, I promised I would honor your house and the house to follow you. The, the, the Levites, the, the Levites, one of the 12 tribes, that's where the priestly line is. And there's a family line inside of the priest or inside of Levi that will be the priest. And Eli's in that family line. So Eli is a priest. His sons are going to be priests. Eli is a good priest. He's a good guy. I mean, nothing negative about him. He does a good job at being a priest. But his sons, whoo, I mean, they're just a couple of bad apples. I mean, these guys, these two sons in particular, are, are just, I mean, there's no shame. They are openly living in adulterous relationships in front of the whole congregation and in front of everybody. They, they are mocking and abusing the, 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 the gifts brought to the church, the, the, the sacrifices given to the table. They're mocking that. And it breaks Eli's heart. It breaks his heart to watch his sons acting this way and doing this. And, and he's upset with them. He scolds them. <laughs> stop don't don't do that but you know the scolding doesn't really change anything and in effect his scolding starts to slow down and their their, their wickedness just keeps going and and keeps increasing and so all of a sudden God's like you imagine God coming to Eli and saying hey you're really at the end of the day you're condoning this I realize you shook your finger at him and said stop, but you didn't, you didn't do anything to really bring about a change of behavior to stop their behavior. And now in my house, I'm being dishonored. That, that's not going to work. Your home cannot dishonor my house. And, and so if you would imagine, you know, there, there's God and there's, there's Eli and they're having this conversation, this dialogue, this explanation is unfolding and, and you and I are getting to watch it. We're the audience. We're watching this, this relationship, this dialogue unfold between God and Eli. And when you get to verse 30, it's like God turns from a, just talking to Eli and he talks to all of us. He says, hey, hey, did y'all see what's going on here? Do you see what has unfolded between Eli and me? Listen, I, I don't want just Eli to know this. I want everybody to know this. If you honor me, I'm going to honor you. If you honor me in your life, I am going to honor your life. That word honor is real interesting in the, in the Hebrew language. It, it, it doesn't sound like honor, but until you start thinking about, oh, okay, well, that's totally what honor looks like. The, the word literally means make heavy. That's what the word means in the Hebrew. Make something heavy. Make it significant. Make it big. Make it of value. Say, well, no, that kind, that kind of does make sense. What God is saying is, listen, make me big in your life. Make me significant in your life. Make me of great value in your life. And then here's what I'll do for your life. I'll make your life something heavy, something significant. It doesn't get blown away. It doesn't get knocked down. It lasts. It counts. Now, so, folks, you honor the Lord and he honors you. Now, this idea of honoring the Lord, this is where we get our statements like, you know, God's the center of our home. I, you know, I put God first. Wonderful statements, but of course, just saying them doesn't actually mean anything, right? Saying that God is the center of my home doesn't mean that he's the center of my home. Saying God is first in my life does not actually mean that. So what I've got to do is, I mean, folks, the only way I know how to express this is I just need to constantly question I, I need to be asking maybe a dozen or more questions every single day. And here's what the questions sound like. I, am I honoring the Lord in the way I talk to my mate, my children, 
a stranger on the street? Does that honor God in the way I have those conversations? Does it honor the Lord in, in the way I handle my finances? Does it honor the Lord in the way I make decisions? Does it honor the Lord in the way I work and the way people watch me at work? Does that honor, does that show the value of God in my life, the, the significance of God in my life? Does it honor the Lord the way I entertain? Does it honor the Lord the way I, I approach the Bible? Does it honor him the way I, I read it, the way I seek to understand it, the way I seek to apply it? Am I honoring the Lord in the way I engage with a church family? The way I build relationships, the way I serve, pray, minister. Am I honoring the Lord in all that? Now, sooner or later we have to answer those questions, right? And, and folks, we should be asking those kinds of questions and literally hundreds of others every single day, but then I've got to answer them. Well, this is not the answer. Ah, uh, yeah, I think. Pretty sure. I don't know. Let's see. Did I honor the Lord in the way I talked to that person? Uh, I didn't cuss them out. Yeah, I think I'm pretty good. I am doing that. No, folks, the issue is, the answer is not my opinion or my thought on the idea. The answer comes from Scripture. You see, all of this kind of implies that we're students of God's Word. That my life is conforming to what God's Word says about the way I talk to people, the way I address people, the way I value people. That my life is conforming. You see, if I say, oh yeah, I'm honoring the Lord in my finances, what does God's word say about my finances? Oh, I'm honoring the Lord in, in, in my marriage. What does God's word say about my marriage? I can't say I'm honoring the Lord unless what I'm doing, thinking, saying, being is conforming to what his word says. And of course, when I'm not doing that, well, that, that's sin. Uh, I mean, sin is the opposite of doing this. John Piper makes a very simple but very profound statement. Sin is diametrically opposed to the glory of God. When we sin, we're doing the exact opposite of giving glory, of giving honor to God. Romans 3.23, by the way, says we all have this problem. For all have sinned and we've missed the mark. There's a target out there. Okay, my goal, my target today is to honor the Lord, but, but sometimes we fall a little short of the target, don't we? We miss the target on, on the whole day. Sometimes we have a really bad day, right? Maybe we have a pretty good day, but there'll be an issue here, an issue that we, we miss the target, we sin. So folks, here's what this looks like as we're trying to understand the honor principle. I come up on this moment, I decide, oh boy, what I need to do here is lie. I mean, if I lie, that'll make me look good. That'll make me look big. Or if I lie, that'll protect me. That'll keep me from, from making things worse. And so that's my thought on how to handle this. So what is happening in that moment is I have just determined that my thoughts on how to handle this problem are heavier. They're, they're more significant. They're of more value than God the God of truth. Do you see how that works? I've just weighed myself as heavier, as bigger, as more valuable than God. When we're acting sexually immoral, what we're saying is my desire for pleasure, my desire for love, how I get love, how I secure love, how I keep love, my thoughts on how that happens is heavier to me, is of more value to me than God, the God of purity and righteousness and, and commitment and faithfulness. This is heavier in my life 
than God. Folks, that's what every sin is. Every sin is a place where I value myself and my ways over and above God. Now, what we, what we should be doing, instead of weighing ourselves as heavier, what we should be doing is this. I found this verse. Uh, I don't even know what I was doing in Isaiah. What is anybody doing in Isaiah? It's the word of God. There's some wonderful things you're doing in Isaiah. But, but I found this verse, and I, I don't know. I mean, over my life, I don't know how many times I've read this verse. But boy, it just, it just smacked me this fall. And, uh, and so I, I made it a memory verse. I thought, man, this is one I need to hold on to. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall, what? Honor. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, right? Okay, the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Folks, the idea here is, is, is that I so highly value God. God is so important to me, so big to me, so significant to me. God is, is so awesome to me that I literally fear doing anything, saying something, doing something that in any way says, no, he's not really that important. No, he really doesn't carry that much value in my life. And folks, we have to think about this in in big things. We have to think about this in little trivial, small things. I want to show you a great story uh, along this lines that kind of ties this together. It's in Leviticus chapter 10. Turn to Leviticus if you have a Bible with you. It's the third book in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I got to tell you where Leviticus is. This is a book we don't get by a lot, is it? Matter of fact, we almost avoid it. You start reading in Leviticus and think, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't understand any of this. It's tiring. It's irrelevant. Ugh. Ooh, move on to something else. No, Leviticus is an awesome book. I'm so excited about Leviticus, folks. I'm doing a series on Leviticus this year starting in September. As a matter of fact, it might be the most important series I ever preach. I don't know. I'm excited about Leviticus uh, and getting there in September. Nine months away. Get excited. Okay. Now, before I read the passage in Leviticus 10, you, you, you need to understand what is going on, what's evolving as we get to Leviticus chapter 10. And you almost got to go back to Exodus 20. Uh, and, and, and starting in Exodus 20, God's got these people. Remember, he saved them out of Egypt and they're now out there in the desert. And now God is building his people. And so in Exodus 20 and beyond, he starts giving them one big word, the law, you start breaking it down. There's a moral law, how we act and don't act. There's a civil law. There's a ceremonial law. And, and a lot of that is unfolding through Exodus. And when we get to Leviticus, especially the first part, it's really a lot about that ceremonial law. And so chapters one through seven is the instruction manual for how to be a priest. Okay, here, here are the sacrifices. Here's the kinds of sacrifices. Here's where you use them. Here's the order to do things in. Here's the recipe for building these things. And it is just this minute detail. Again, a lot of us will get into those chapters and we just get lost. I mean, it's just this incredible kind of detailed stuff. And you can think, golly, this is just nothing in here for me. Oh gosh, we couldn't be more wrong. Because we should certainly leave there and go, wow, God is a God of detail. God is never a kind of sorta. God is never a bell curve. Folks, God is very, very detailed. And he gets to the end of chapter eight and he says, oh, by the way, all these details I've given you, big deal. But they really, really count to me. And if you miss these details, it's going to cost your life. 
So not only is he given all of the details, but, but then he's given the warning with it, okay? So now we get chapter 8, 9, and 10, and the priests start being the priest. They, they take this instruction manual, they take all these things, and they start doing the things they're supposed to do, and that's when we arrive at chapter 10. Now, Nadab and Abihu, now these two guys, those are Aaron's sons. That's what your texts say. Remember, Aaron is the brother of Moses. So these are Moses' nephews. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire. My translation says unauthorized fire. Your translation might say a strange fire. Some may say a different fire. Mine says unauthorized And it says that this was a fire that the Lord had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died. Okay, I think something bad just happened here. What do y'all think? Yeah, okay, basically when fire falls from heaven and zaps you, that's a bad moment. We need to stop and say, what what just happened here? Okay, now look at verse 3. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I don't know what that says about me. It says, then Moses said there, now remember, these are brothers. And they're standing there looking at his two dead sons, his two dead nephews. And Moses looks at him and says, hey, this is what the Lord meant. I mean, I almost want to know his tone of voice. Hey, stupid, I told you, this is what God said. This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. In other words, what he just said is, hey, Aaron, Right here, this is what God meant when he said, by those who come near me, I will be honored. I will be respected. I will be treated as holy. Look at the end of the verse. And Aaron held his peace. Yeah, I guess I'd have nothing to say there too. Especially a fire shooting out, right? You know, folks, you, you say, okay, wow, something big just happened. What, what, what did happen? What, what did Nadab and Abihu did? What is this strange fire, this unauthorized fire? Remember, last seven, first seven chapters, given the order, given the instructions, given the recipe, you know what they did? They didn't follow the recipe. I don't know about y'all. I can read through that and go, that, that kind of seems like a small infraction, especially when measured against the punishment, Right? That that, that doesn't seem equal. Remember, God had said, the details count. And he warned them about ignoring the details. You know what I wish I knew? The scripture doesn't tell us. I wish I knew what they had actually done. I mean, I'm I'm almost in my mind and I'm not saying I'm right because we don't know why they did what they did or what specifically they did. But I almost imagine, you know, there, there's a bihu and and he's putting this fire in the, and the pieces of what's supposed to build this fire. He's putting that together and he says, hey, Nadab, we're out of, fill in the blank, you know, whatever, go back to Leviticus and Exodus and see what was supposed to, we're out of this. Oh, man, you know what? I don't have any over here. Oh, man, we have to go to the store. I don't want to go to the store. It's like 12 degrees outside. I I don't know what, why didn't they, was it inconvenient? Did they just think it didn't matter? They said, hey, you know what? I know God said this, but I think it'd be kind of cool if we built it this way. I think it'd be kind of cool if we, if we put this in it. I, I don't know specifically what they did. All I know is they ignored what God said to do in what I might call kind of a minute detail. By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. Holy. 
You know, I think this is a part in Leviticus we read and we think, man, this sounds ancient. This sounds archaic. Boy, I'm sure glad this is, you know, not an issue today. You know, folks in America, we're doing the identical thing to what Nadab and Abihu did. They take a big issue, marriage. Marriage is a big deal to God, just like the sacrifices were a big deal to God. And I suppose Nadab and Abihu could have said, hey, God's getting the sacrifice. God's getting the fire. If we, if we just monkey with the order a little bit, if we monkey with the recipe, hey, God's still getting the big thing, right? Aren't we doing that with marriage right now? God's given a lot of instruction on marriage. He's given a lot of instruction on the sexual relationship, just like he did with these. Hey, there's an order to this. There's a recipe here, but we say, well, but God, you know what? I've got, I've got needs and that just doesn't really fit well into our culture. It's inconvenient, whatever. I, I would imagine our mindset would be no different than Nadab and Abihu. And so he said, I'm going to get this a little out of order and start this here. Or we're going to change the recipe. One man, one woman. I mean, Lord, that's not really, that doesn't work for me. That that doesn't happen. Hey, God, you honor love. Aren't you a God of love? The God who loves and, 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 and marriage. Hey, at the end of the day, big picture, you're still getting what you, what you talked about. I'm just going to monkey with the order. I'm going to monkey with the recipe a little bit. I mean, we'll end up. And that's where fire comes out and consumes. And that's what's happening in our nation right now. Destruction is consuming us, folks. Here's what has happened. And, and, and folks, I, I think on some level, every single one of us is guilty of this. We're all about the honor principle, but we just change the order. God, you come and honor me. And I'll, I'll go to church. I might even throw a little money in the plate. Might do some good deeds. You honor me and I'll honor you. Now, what we want God to do in in, in our ideas on marriage and sexuality and everything. Hey, God, you come and honor my ideas. You honor my values. You you make my way of doing things. You make that big. You you make that important. And, and, And then I'll honor some of your things. But folks... That would be the most unloving thing. I I would actually suggest to you that fire falling on Nadab and Abihu was not a mean, angry, wrathful God. That's a loving God right there. How how is that loving? Folks, what if God got in the business of honoring all of our thoughts and ideas? Where where do our thoughts and ideas come from? Well, let's see. I'm putting together the way I want to do things. And but 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 I'm not I don't know everything, do I? Well, you don't either. Okay. (laughs) No, so we're putting ideas together, but I I don't have perfect knowledge. I I can't draw from the past perfectly, and I don't know anything about the future, so I'm never working with the big picture. I'm never working with all of the information there is when I've got an idea about what something should look like or how I should live. I don't don't have all the knowledge. Sometimes I'm just wrong. For whatever reason, I'm just wrong. Sometimes I'm negligent. Oh, I've got some right information, but, but my selfishness and other things, it leaves out some important things. You know, folks, sometimes my way of doing things, my knowledge, my ideas, it just is birthed out of brokenness. 
I think that way, I act that way, I do those things because of brokenness in my life. Now, is that what I'm saying? God, you come and make of great value, you come and make of great significance my ideas that are wrong, that have incomplete information, that are negligent, and that many of which are birthed in brokenness. You come and give great value to that. And then I'll decide if I'm going to give value to your ideas that are birthed in eternity, that are birthed in perfection, that are birthed in beauty and in wisdom and in something that works everywhere for everyone in every situation. Folks, the most unloving thing God could do is let me think that my ideas and ways have greater weight and value than his because his ways work for me. My ways destroy me. And then a home, and then a neighborhood, and then a community, and then an entire culture. Listen, this isn't about just the dread of God that restricts you from things in life. Remember, it's also about the promise of God that wants to bless your life. Honor me, get the order right, honor me, and I will honor you. You want me to honor your finances? then honor me with your finances. You want, you want me to honor your marriage? Then honor me with your marriage. You want me to honor what's going on with you at work? Then honor me with your work. You want me to honor and bless and give favor to that decision you're making? Then honor me in how you make that decision. Folks, this issue is so big. This is where a lot of us probably kind of get stuck thinking that God doesn't care about us and won't answer our prayers. You know, we say, God, I, I mean, we're all thinking about finances, right? It's January. We're thinking about finance. We're always thinking about finances. Man, God, I need you to come and bless my finances. There's a great chapter in the Bible, Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament right before the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, go read Malachi. Read chapter 3. It starts off by saying, you're dishonoring me. And Israel answers back, what? What are you talking about? We're not dishonoring you. Yeah, you are. You're robbing, you're robbing me. What? We're not robbing God. Yes, you are. You don't, you don't bring me the tithe. You don't bring 10% of your income into the house of the Lord for the, for the work of the Lord. Why, why, would, why would God care about whether we bring 10% or not? Number one, it acknowledges he's the owner not of 10%. He's the owner of 100% of what we have. And when we obey his instructions, we're acknowledging owners have the right to tell managers what to do with the funds. When we give the tithe, we're also showing our faith. I trust God not in money to provide, protect, and care for me. I trust in you to do that so I can let go of this. When we give, we worship because what is heavy in our life? What is significant in our life? It's our money. When we start using that, we're showing, no, it's not heavier than God in my life. It's not bigger than God in my life. It's our chance to join God in what he's doing. And so, but, but we don't do that. We, we rob from him. And by the way, God's instructions on money aren't just about giving. He talks about saving and, and debt and, and what we do and don't do with money. And, and we have a tendency to ignore that. And then we say, God, please give me a raise. God, please help me pay the, please do this. How does God come over and make heavy our ideas on money when our ideas on money have got us where we are? Now, take out the word money and put in marriage 
and put in decision making. Again, I said it earlier, it it kind of implies we're a student of God's word and we're aware of what God's word says about these areas. Folks, God wants to honor your life. And the best way to honor your life is to conform to the things that actually build and don't destroy. The things that actually give life and not death. We have to conform to him. You know, words like dread and fear, that's not very modern Christianity, is it? We we like to think more of the, the friendship of God and the love of God. And those are good words. God is a friend and God is love. But boy, when you bring in dread and fear... I think there's an opportunity there to actually see the the beauty and, and the perfection of the balance of God and what he can be and what he can do in our lives. You know what, folks? Sometimes I am as you are. I'm, I'm very motivated by rewards and goodies. Aren't you? The answer is yes. Yeah, the, the reason we do things, I, I, I do these three things because I hope out on the other end pops the reward, a, a better marriage, more money, uh, uh, dealing with an enemy. I, okay, what, what are the three steps? What are the two things? What are the 10 principles? And we'll do those things in the belief that on the other end, out pops the reward, out pops the goodie. We're very motivated by that, but not always. Sometimes what... And I don't, I don't think I would ever use the word want. I don't think I ever want this in my life. But sometimes what I need is not the opportunity for a reward and goodie. Sometimes what I need is the consequences. I, I actually need to be afraid of what it means to not honor God in this place. That's, that's the real need. And folks, God is a God in both cases. And and so he calls you and me to step on this road uh, of the honor principle, to start living a life that that honors God and that is going to honor the things that we're going to be talking about for the next two months. And he, you know what, I don't ever want to drive off the road because that's a bad thing, right? The ditch. And, And so on one side, God hems me in on the road by the rewards and the goodies. Hey, walk this road and here's the rewards and the goodies. And on the other side of the road, he hems me in by the dread and the fear. Now, now here's the real exciting thing we're going to find out as we travel this road. The real reward, the real joy, the real richness of life is not the rewards and goodies. The, the real richness, the real reward is not escaping judgment and condemnation. Hey, listen, God wants you to have rewards and goodies. God wants you to escape judgment and condemnation. But those things are not the real reward. Folks, the real reward as we travel this road is going to be to find the pure joy of a life that honors your creator. A life that honors your savior. A life that shows the weight and the value of the one who loves you so much, so perfectly, all the time. That's, that's rich. Got to walk that road to feel that, to see that, to experience that. What a promise. What a guarantee to start 2015. You honor me. And I'm going to honor you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may it be so. Lord, would you 
teach us, help us, put, put it into our mind, this discipline of just all the time asking ourselves questions. Did I, did I, is my thought life, is the way I'm thinking through that, does that honor the Lord? Is what I just said, is, man, is the way I handled that conflict, is the way I responded to that person, Lord, I just pray all day long. We're thinking about, is that honoring to you? Does that show the weight and the value of God? Lord, I, I, I just pray this just dominates 2015. May, may 2015 just be owned by the honor of God. Lord, I, I commit to you, we commit to you this time we've just had. We commit to you these next two months as we're going to try to walk through and understand that honor's a, honor's a pretty big deal to you. We're to honor you and there's a lot of things out there in life that you call us to honor. Lord, for our nation, for the well-being of our communities, as God's people, may we take on this responsibility. May we take on this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.